0: Reading from Genesis chapter 15 this morning, and uh, we're going to be reading all chapter 14 throughout this uh, message, but uh, we're going to take the verse, our text from 15 verse 1. So Genesis 15 verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not Abram, I am thy shield in thy exceeding great with reward. And with the help of the Holy Ghost this morning, I want to preach on the title of a message or this thought. What is your reward? Salvation or shoe latchets? Salvation or shoe latchets? Brother Harris, would you stand and pray for the message and messenger this morning? I love you, Father. We thank you once again to be in the house of the Lord to hear that word. We thank you, dear Lord God, just waking us up, allowing us to make it through the end of this week, Lord God. But we know all things are possible with you. Lord, we pray that you will bless our brother, give him the fresh option by the Holy Spirit as you laid upon his heart. Let not your word fall on deaf ears. Lord God, that we'll take your word and carry it with us through the rest of the week. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, sir. Reward, payment, compensation, these are the things that drive mankind to work. Everything we do, we do in order to achieve something. Incentive is another word we can throw in there. We all enjoy getting a paycheck, right? Amen. Amen. Yes. Oh, I was happy the other day when that paycheck came through. Not that it was special or anything, but I had some money. We had some bills to pay. Praise God. I like when paychecks come. <laughs> We all enjoy receiving a reward for returning a lost wallet, even though most of us will probably tell them to keep the reward because you wanted to do what was right. But sometimes, you know, people, they see that reward sign for that lost puppy, someone lost some sort of parrot in Kent one time, we're like, you're not going to find no parrot. It's up in the tree. How am I, I'm not going to go retrieve that for you. But reward, and they were offering, was it, like $1,000 or something for it. But people like rewards you know, like being rewarded with things for your hard work, for going above and beyond. But nevertheless, we live in a world full of incentives and rewards, and that's okay. But have we set our eyes on a reward so great, so exceeding, that we, call, we count all other rewards as waste? And I want to read the the text once again before we get into it. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Let's look at our Bible setting. What's going on here? We're looking at Abraham. Well, you keep saying Abram. This is before Abram was called Abraham. God changed his name, and I'm glad that when I gave my life to God, my name was changed. No, it wasn't like, you know, word for word. Yes, my name, my first name, right now is still what's on my birth certificate. But it's a symbolicness of being a new person. When God came in and made me new, I became a new person. The old person had died. It was time to start new. Praise God. So we're looking at Abram, a.k.a. Abraham. The Bible tells us at this time he was dwelling in Mamre, which is also Hebron. So not too far from Jerusalem. Lot, Lot, Abraham's nephew, had already moved away with his people and settled in Sodom. We read there that uh, Lot and Abraham, their possessions were so great and God had blessed them so much That they couldn't fit in the same land area. So Abraham and Lot had to separate. And Lot chose the east part of the land. He set his eyes on the plains. The well watered plains. But we see later on how that turned out to be. But we're not going there today. But Lot had settled in Sodom. Abraham to the east. But there was some drama going on in the land. And we can refer to chapter 14 there in Genesis. A unified group of four, kingdom, of four kingdoms waged war on a group of five kingdoms who had rebelled against the one of the invading kings named Chedorlaomer, whom they had served for 12 years. During this evasion, the kings of Sodom, and Gomorrah, and the three other nations fell in this battle and were defeated and the remaining fled. It has always been a thing in war to collect the spoils and supplies of the defeated army. And this battle was no different, Genesis 14 to 10. And the Vale of Sidom was full of slime pits and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there and they that remained fled to the mountain And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. So the invading army came, took all the spoils. And they took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, and dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. So not only did they take goods, but they took people. They took prisoners of war. You know, Satan likes to take his spoils also. When someone allows their life to be sh- destroyed by Satan, it has long-ranging effects. When someone gives into sin, falls into sin, is destroyed by sin, it doesn't just affect that person, it affects people around. It affects their friends, their family, and if it's in the church, it affects the church. There have been many churches that have been destroyed because the preacher fell into sin, scattered like sheep, just like uh, you know many references in the Bible about the flock being scattered. When the preacher does that, when he falls into sin, gets caught in controversy, the the congregation will scatter. And it's only by the mercy and grace of God if the congregation stays together. That's why we all have to stay right with God. We all have to make sure that when Satan comes nipping on our heels, that we squash it. That we go to the Lord in prayer. That we seek strength and empowerment from our brothers and sisters. Because the, the sin that rages in our life is long-ranging. And it will affect other people. The alcoholic is not, it's not contained. It affects every aspect of their life. Your sin doesn't affect you. It's, you know, sin is contagious and destructive. You may think that you don't matter, but you really do. I met a lady yesterday. She, she's part of uh, this uh, organization that hands out little Gospels of John. And on the cover of the little book, it said, you're worth more than you think. Or you matter more than what you think. And you really do. And as a preacher, I constantly throughout the week, I'm thinking of each and every one of you. I'm thinking about people who have come and gone. And I'm praying because that is my life. It is of the people. Because God has made me a part of his life. I'm the apple of God's eye, and so are you. And we can't just go around not think and pray for each other. We have to be mindful on each other, because we are a family. We are a family of God. And when my brother and sister gets hurt, when my brother and sister is attacked by the devil and of sin, it's going to hurt the preacher. It's going to hurt the usher. It's going to hurt the piano player. Because we are a family, a family of God. Praise God this morning. Genesis 14 and 13 then says, And then came one that had escaped. So the, during the whole battle, the kings were defeated. They all fled, but one had escaped. And told Abram the Hebrew, For he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol, the brother of Adner, and those were confederate with Abram. So he had Abram and these other gentlemen there of all the other little cities. When Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, He's referring to Lot, his nephew. It wasn't his brother, it was his nephew. The Bible's not wrong. It's another term for it. He armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. So once Abraham heard that Lot had been taken, he turned around and took his servants. Abraham had 318 servants. Abraham was blessed of God. Praise God. Born in his house put a sword in their hand and said, we got to go. We got to go retrieve Lot and his family. And he pursued the capturing army. You know, war is that of the world. War is that of the world. And so are elections. The gospel does not revolve around who is in the White House. Politicians come and go. Party control switches back and forth. It doesn't matter. Christians in America are afraid of some form of persecution. And certain parties getting to office. We've been hearing a lot about it from different churches and different things. But we got to realize that 95% of the church world is already persecuted. It makes me kind of laugh. We're thinking, oh, they're talking about taking the Bibles from everybody. But then you have uh, Christians in Africa saying... You guys have Bibles? Churches in China are like, what? You guys can meet on Sunday mornings? We have to meet in caves. We've got to meet in forests. And you guys are complaining because of a possible persecution that you might, that you already have foreknowledge of? We've grown up in persecution. We were saved in persecution. And here you are, American Christians, complaining because a politician doesn't like the gospel. We're not persecuted here in America. We're not. And pray that we don't. And pray for those who are persecuted around the world. But what I'm trying to say is war is of the world. Persecution is of the world. Politics of the world. But we are not of this world. We are not of this world. So the gospel does not stop no matter who's in office. We've got work to do. We've got work to do to tell men and women about Jesus. We've got work to do. This was not Abram's war. This is not our war. What's going on right now in the news is not our war. We do our part. It's good to vote, it's important to vote. But once it's in, it's in. It's in God's hands. Whatever happens, happens. It doesn't matter. I'm going to wake up tomorrow with a song in my heart and some dance in my step because I still serve the living God. They can't take Jesus off the throne. They've tried year after year, century after century, and they'll do it as long until Jesus comes back and takes us all home for a few years and then comes back and sets up his kingdom. They'll be trying to take him off the throne. Satan tried to do it before, and he has failed. So what? So why do we think some politician is going to do it? Let him come in and haul us away. We'll have church in jail. (laughs) We'll be preaching in jail. Because that's what Paul did. He said, First, Him and Silas preached in jail. And then when Paul was taken, he said, I preach in Caesar's own house. But we are not of this world. This is not a war. And this wasn't Abraham's war. This wasn't his war. He only went, he got dragged in because of Lot. Had Lot been not taken captive, Abraham would not have had to go to war. Because Abraham knew that there was something bigger than what was going on. Abraham knew that he was not of this world. As a Christian, we have to look at this world as a mission field of lost souls with our home base being heaven. We are not citizens of this world. So, no matter what's going on in the news, don't worry about it. Who cares? We serve a living God who's not elected, He's not replaced, He is forever. Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. Genesis 14 and 14. And like I said, Abraham gathered 318 servants, all who were born in his house, they were family they were family we cannot go to war alone we've got to be there for one another we've got to pray for one another we were talking about these home bible studies and that's why i'm asking everyone to help be a part of that to have the home bible studies to invite people to come be a part so we can grow this church so that we can reach men and women for christ it is very very important The enemy underestimates the power of a united church. The enemy underestimates the power of a united church. You know, they say that the evangelicals are a threat to certain ideas and certain uh, movements or whatever. But you know what? It's not the evangelicals they got to worry about. It's the holiness Christians. Because evangelicals are getting in trouble all the time. They get caught doing this and doing that. And that's such a broad term, evangelical. But the ones that the world has to worry about are the born-again, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled Christians. Those who have said, I am not part of this world. I have been called out from among them. And who pray and give and do work every day. For the kingdom of god those are the ones they have to worry about not these uh ones that are usually on tv they say they're evangelical that they're christian but they don't live it abraham with a small band of trained house servants and a few others as i mentioned before followed fought defeated the invaded kings and collected all the spoils which had been taken, and all the people which had been taken. And then Genesis 14 and 15 says, And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. So he went all the way up. They, they pursued him all the way up north to Syria. Genesis 14 and 16. And he brought back all the goods. And also brought back his brother Lot. And his goods. And the women also. And the people. So Abraham accomplished his mission. He took this small special force group. Which is amazing to think about that. And that's what I was saying. About having a group of Christians. How how you can achieve so much because the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and the other nations with them could not defeat this invading army. But here's old man Abraham, old man Abraham with house servants, not trained fighters, not an army, trained servants with swords and pitchforks and probably some wooden staves, some clubs. Maybe someone had, you know, put a. a A bar of soap and a sock and was swinging it around. I don't know what they all had, but they defeated... Four mighty nations, and these were nations of Mesopotamia, if you want to look more into it. Mighty nations, men of war, and Abraham defeated. Because not it wasn't that Abraham was a good warrior. It wasn't because his servants were, but because they had God on their side. And when we have God on our side, we can conquer mountains. We can conquer cities. We can conquer sin. If there's anything in your life. That is overwhelming you. God can conquer it. He can make a way where there is no way. I remember, and we're coming up on an anniversary, Thanksgiving, a few years ago. Our vehicle went down on Thanksgiving Day. We had no money. We had no way of, you know, getting our car fixed. Nothing. Nothing. We're there sitting at Thanksgiving dinner or before dinner, and I was just feeling horrible. What are we going to do? And I remember looking at my wife and saying, Babe, we're out of blessings. We're out of avenues for blessings. I don't have no money coming in. I don't have no way. We can't even finance car repair because I'm already fin- I already financed the car repair that we're paying off. There is no avenue for blessing. It didn't even dawn upon me, cause her brother was home. He was in the Marine. He's in the Marines, but he had a he had a minivan, before he went to the Marines, and now he's stationed in Hawaii. And at this time, he was in Hawaii, and he was thinking of selling that vehicle. My father-in-law called me in and said, hey, you know, we're thinking about it, and uh, he wants to sell you his car, give us $100 a month. You start next month with the payment. God made a way where there was no way. And I'm glad for God today. I'm glad because we still have the vehicle. Praise God and it's gone down sense. But God has always made a way. He's always stepped in. And he always stepped in for the Christian, the believer, the, the sinners and the lost in the world. They got to worry about where their next meal comes from. They got to worry about how they're going to pay the rent. But God provides for his children. And he always has and he always will. But something happened. Abraham recovered everything. Genesis 14 and 17. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedorlaomer and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is on the King's Dale. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons. And take the goods to thyself. Abraham, give me the people that you rescued. But go ahead and take the the spoils, the money, the gold, the food, the cattle. Whatever the army had taken from Sodom. Go ahead. You keep the spoils. You've earned it, Abraham. You defeated the army for us. And Abraham said unto the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God. The possess of heaven and earth. That I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet. That's where our message is coming from today. Shoe latchets or salvation. I will not take even to a shoe latchet. And that I will not take anything that is thine. Least thou should sayest I have made Abram rich. He made one exception. He says save only that which the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men that were with me, Anner, Eshkol, and Mamre, let them take their portion. So he said, I fed them some, we gave my men some food from the spoil, they had to eat, and then, but that's for me and my house, let us have that at least. You take everything else, and the three other gentlemen, those who are confederate with me, whatever they want to take, that's between them and you. But for me and my house, we won't take anything from you. We don't want your spoils. No doubt many of us would have taken a little something for our troubles. <laughs> right? We go to war. You know, we, many of us were in the military and we still wanted that paycheck. When they announced those military pay raises, we're like, yeah, all right. Imagine going to war, risking your life for nothing. Abraham did that. He risked his own life and that of his household. He risked his family, his extended family, to rescue Lot and others and the spoils of Sodom. We may mention in the beginning that we live in a world of rewards and compensation, but Abram refused to take anything. And he wasn't polite about it either. He said... I have sworn that I will not take anything from you and I don't want it from you because I don't want you saying, King of Sodom, that you made me rich. I don't want you to take the glory for making me rich. Why? Because Abraham knew who provided. Abraham knew who was his great and exceeding reward. It wasn't the king of Sodom. And I'm glad that it's God that gives to us. It is God. And that's why communist nations don't like Christianity. Because we seek the, uh, God to provide for us, not the government. Praise God this morning. He said, I will not take anything, not even a shoe latchet. If I rip my little sandal I'm fighting for you, O king of Sodom, I don't even want you to replace it. I want nothing from you. Not sure, if Abraham was yet aware of the kind of nation Sodom and Gomorrah were, but he wanted nothing for them, he didn't want them to take credit. There was nothing that belonged to them, that caught Abraham's eye. Not even a (laughs) shoelatch. Imagine that. As Christians, we find ourselves working, striving, trying to make things happen. We've turned down good-paying jobs. Right? We've turned down good-paying jobs. We've uh, given money to people. We've helped them. All for the gospel. All for the cause of Christ. And we're rewarded with people not showing up to church. People uh, not even opening their doors when we come to visit them. We invite them to church to meet Jesus and be delivered from sin and they don't show up. But we do it anyway, because we love people, and that's why Abraham went out, because he loved his nephew Lot. And that's why Jesus did what he did for us, because he loved us. And then it says that we despised and rejected him. We turned our face from him, but he did it without complaint, without opening his mouth, because of his love for mankind. The spoils of this world cannot fill the desire we have. We need something more. Because how much, how much money do we get and we still want more? Still want more. Still, what about the celebrities? They want more money and more money and more money. But as Christians, we have something that is more. We have something that will fulfill us. And his name is God and his son Jesus. Praise him. He didn't want to filter the world. He wasn't looking for the world to provide for him. And our text this morning does apply to us today. And yes, he was directing it to Abraham, but it applies to us today, where he said, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, fear not, I am thy shield. And that's important too, because you know, Abraham made some enemies by taking out those kings. But he said, I am your shield and thy great, exceeding great reward. Abraham had turned down the reward of defeating the four kings. But God assures him that he is Abraham's great reward. Notice, he didn't say, I will be thy great exceeding reward. He said, I am thy exceeding great reward. I am right now, Abraham. I am your reward now you don't have to wait for it you don't wait for the check to clear in the bank i am your reward now abram we are no different than abram we serve the same god that made this decree to him the benefits of being a believer outweighs the benefits of being lost So many people say, you know what? I remember when I was back in sin, I got to do this. And now I'm in church and I can't do that. Now I'm a Christian. We can't do this and that. I don't look back on my past. I'm glad be a Christian. I'm glad to get rid of those things of the world. I'm glad to be free from sin this morning. And I don't know about you, but I ain't going back. I'm never going back. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to make it to the end. I'm going to strive and achieve that prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Praise God. First We have something that is above the elements of the world. We have a God who hears our cries. We have access to healing. Yes, God still heals today. It has not stopped. I've seen people healed before my very eyes. And I've been healed by God also. I felt so horrible before. And I prayed. And I felt God come over me. And the sickness was gone. The pain was gone. And it doesn't matter if it hasn't gone before. But I know the times that God has healed me. Praise God. You know, we have access to healing. Access to hope. And more importantly, salvation. Not access to salvation. We have salvation. Once we call upon the name of the Lord. Ex-Jesus into our lives. And admit that he is the son of God crucified and raised for us the Bible says he will deliver us from sin he will come and make us abode in our heart we serve a God of results we don't have to wait for God to come back from vacation to find out we don't have to wait for votes to be counted once we call upon God he hears our prayers and he starts to make things happen But one thing we have over Abram was that you know, he had to wait for the Savior. He obtained righteousness, yes, but he had to wait for the Savior. But it wasn't until Jesus died on the cross that Abraham was enter, able to enter into God's presence. But well, we've come after Jesus was crucified. We have access to Jesus right now. And we can give our, we give our lives right now. Uh, you can give your life to Christ. Uh, have him, uh, accept him in your life. Walk out in that road. Get hit by a car. And you'd make it to heaven. Our exceeding reward is there for the taking. And it comes through Jesus, son of the living God. Paul's attitude to the reward and accomplishments of this world speaks volumes. And we should seek the same things he did. He said there, Philippians 3 and 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Paul was Saul. He was a Pharisee. Rising up in the religion of the Pharisees. Idolized by his kinsmen. More zealous of them all. He was on his way to being top of the top. But all those things, After he met Christ, he counted them lost. He didn't care about his degree anymore. He didn't care about his accomplishments before Christ. He gave no attention to those things. He said, I count them as lost. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb. That I may win Christ. All those things were dung. He counted them as human waste. As human waste. And be found in him not having my own righteousness which is the law. But that which is through faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. That I may know him. in the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto death. If by any means I might obtain unto the resurrection of the dead, Jesus is the only reward I need. Paul was saying, I deserve, I wait to see the sufferings of Christ. I want to be part of his resurrection. I want to be part of the fellowship. Those are my rewards. Those are what I want. And that's what I want too. I want to be amongst the number, I want to be part of Christ. That is the reward I seek. He is the only reward I want. We know heaven will be amazing. We know eternal life will be awesome. But to be in the presence of God is the best part of it all. Romans 8 and 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature Waileth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption and to the glorious liberty of the children of God. What's it saying? That first part. What's going on? The sufferings of this world? It does not compare to what we're going to receive when we're with him face to face. But we don't have to wait for uh, all these blessings. Yes, we're going to have to wait to make it to heaven. But we don't have to wait for the presence of God. We don't have to wait for healing. We don't have to wait for the blessings. We can have them now. Yeah. Right now, he is our exceeding great with war- reward. Yeah. Right now, he is our p- pearl of great price. Yeah. Right now, he is the trophy for the race that we run. Jesus is it right now. What about you today? What about you today? Are you seeking a reward of shoe or something greater? Are you looking for rewards from amongst men or from the very throne of God? Is Jesus worth more than gold and silver? Does his sacrifice, the giving himself on the cross, Does that mean anything to you this morning? And I'm just asking a question. Not doubting anybody here. I don't know. Between you and God. Abraham said, I'm not taking anything from you, king of Sodom. My reward will come from God. My reward will come from the master himself. Who delivered me in the battle. Who gave me the strength to deliver a lot. Your gold means nothing. I already have the gold. I have servants. I have cattle. King of Sodom, you can't give me what I need. King of Sodom, you cannot give me what I need. And then the rest of that story there... In chapter 15, God's promise to Abram. Changing his name to Abraham later on. Abraham is not regretting his decision today. He is not regretting his decision to follow God. It is all worth it in the very end. It's all worth it now. Salvation is worth it now. And if we need something from God, we just have to obtain it. We just have to obtain it. How do you obtain it? You go to Him and ask for it. (laughs) You let Him in your life. You let Jesus be your Lord and Savior. And the blessings will begin to flow. Let us find a place to pray this morning. Let us find a place to pray this morning. Seek him.